podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And not a great deal has happened since we last spoke. Declan Rice didn't get a game against his old club, the Republic of Ireland, as Darren Randolph did West Ham proud and let in three for the Irish at Wembley. And all of that before Kevin De Bruyne kicked Declan in the leg and somehow won a free kick from it. Belgium scored from it in England's 2-0 Nations League defeat. The other goal, of course, also deflected off of Basmati Billy Bonds' leg or Declan Rice, um, thanks to the alternative West Ham commentary for that description of Declan. Yeah, bounced off his leg and went in, um, but ultimately he's still the best midfielder in the world, possibly in the history of football. So no hard feelings towards Declan. A few other West Ham players have been busy on international duty. Sebastian Haller proving to David Moyes that he can actually score goals, albeit against the defence of Madagascar. I wonder if it was Alex the Lion uh, who plays centre-back for Madagascar, or whether it is um, actually real players rather than the animals from the cartoon film. James, how are you? I've missed you so much. International break, a little bit dull, aren't they? I'll be quite honest. I got um, distracted by the Masters on Sunday watching Dustin Johnson uh, come in to claim his first green jacket. A little bit of a procession, but that was far more gripping. And as soon as I turned over uh, after the ceremony at the end to the England game, we were already 2-0 down. And I thought, you know what? I think uh, six hours of sport is quite enough for me today. Um, I'll switch off for this one. Yeah, I feel exactly the same, mate. Um, Before I go on, I uh, just want to wish you a belated happy birthday, mate. Uh, uh, don't, I know don't. Was last week. You've seen the and, note. Um, You've seen my note to remind me to have a go at you both. I didn't, so. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. it was your birthday, mate. Um, yeah. And I actually didn't go on social media on the day of your birthday because no, I had things to do. And uh, it was only the following morning when I, when I booted up Instagram and I saw you, you know, waxing lyrical about the fact you're a year older and I thought oh no he's going to kill me I haven't said happy birthday then I saw you having a little exchange with my wife in the comments asking where my, where your present is and I thought oh, what can I get him and um, yeah I haven't been able to get anything at all but happy birthday anyway <laughs> so uh, for but, those so for those listening my birthday was on Friday no happy birthday message from either of the boys James Jones who I've known <laughs> I would say approximately in excess of two years now uh, we've worked together closely uh, in that time, developed uh, what I thought was a close friendship. And as he's mentioned there, even his wife took the time out to uh, to wish me happy birthday. Nothing from Edwards, although I wouldn't expect any less. I'm just surprised and pleased that he's turned Thanks up. happy birthday to my dad, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely disgraceful, lads. I didn't want to start off on a negative note, but um, yeah, I was absolutely heartbroken. Do, do, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? When it's my birthday, I, I tell everyone it's my birthday. Just so, just to make sure everyone knows it's my birthday. Whereas you're the type of guy that's kind of like, oh no, I don't want to fuss, don't want to fuss. And that's why it kind of just, it went, it passed me and Tom by a little bit because, you know, you're so reserved. Yeah. 
don't don't want any don't want any attention. Didn't see it coming. Um, just we didn't see it come before we know it's been and gone, and we're like, oh no, he didn't say anything. Oh, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> and then how many days before it's awkward until you get on here? You don't want to send the three day after birthday message. Do you? So <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was awkward the following morning. I saw it. I went, yeah, I exactly. It now, well, it's certainly so, awkward yeah. now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it, it makes for good listening for everyone, doesn't it? So uh, that's why I've left it until, until now. Five yeah, days well, later, after my birthday. Blame the Royal Mail, my card's in the post, mate. Absolutely disgraceful. I'll tell you what, what, what we'll do, just to make up for it, I'm going to wish you happy birthday for next year now. So happy birthday <laughs> for next It's your 30th yeah. next year, isn't it? So happy yep. 30th birthday, mate. 30 years old next year, Jonesy. 29 uh, last Friday, Friday the 13th. But um, yeah, well, luckily for you two, all the other people in my life, um, close to me and care about me and love me, um, which I thought you two were. Luckily, they all remind, remembered to wish me a happy birthday, sent me a few messages and lots of gifts. So uh, thanks to them, but um, not thank you to either of you two. You are right, though, Jonesy. I'm not a massive uh, look, everyone, it's my birthday. That that You know those sort of people, and I'm pretty sure you are one of those, James, who on the like 6 o'clock on the clear. morning of their birthday post something on Instagram, pretend it's innocent when it's blatantly just saying, they might as well write the words in capital letters, everyone, it's my birthday, wish me happy birthday right now. Yeah. I'm not That's one of those me. people. No, I did a little, yeah. little photo at the end of the day uh, just to say thanks to everyone who sent gifts and love. Um, I'm glad you two both ignored it actually because you sent neither of those things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not one for uh, attention, Tom. Um, I'm not, yeah, I won't bother asking you how you are because apparently we don't, uh, we don't extend pleasantries to each other in this friendship anymore. So, uh, yeah, why, uh, what's your excuse? Um, I wish I wish I could offer something good, mate. I same as Jonesy, just sort of away with it. I'm not a birthday man myself. I don't make a fuss, sort of. Well, you don't have them, do you? You don't have birthdays. No, I can't even remember my birthday, mate. So I just it just goes on. I just the whole year goes round, and I just keep plodding on, mate. But no apologies for that. It, it was um, same as Jonesy. I woke up and I saw that, and I thought, do I message or, or do I? <laughs> I don't know what to do at that stage. I'm sorry, pal. <laughs> No, I'm sure uh, over the course of the show that I might find it within myself to forgive you, but it done me a favour really because the uh, the fifty pound Christmas presents that I bought both of you they can go straight back, so that's a few extra quid in my pocket. Um, lads, talk about football, I suppose. Uh, I will find it within my heart at some point to forgive you. But first of all, uh, it's an international break. We'll just let everyone know. As usual, what is coming up on tonight's show? Uh, there's some big headlines, headlines of the week that we'll cover. A lot of it revolves around the international football, the big one coming out tonight. The entire Ukrainian squad has been placed in quarantine, which includes Andrei Yarmolenko, who has in fact tested positive for coronavirus. Their Nations League game with Switzerland was abandoned by UEFA as a result. Uh, that one from Football.London, Sam Incasol, friend of the show. West Ham correspondent, Football London, uh, revealing that news on Twitter earlier on. Angelo Bonner uh, will cover whether he'll be in contention to play on Sunday and whether Mikhail Antonio as well will do a little injury roundup as well as an international roundup. We'll cover uh, Vladimir Sufal, Sofal, Suchek, Sochek. We're still not sure on the pronunciation of their names, even though we've been told by 1,500 different people. Lucas Fabianski, Dan Randolph, Balbuena, who kept Lionel Messi in his pocket for Paraguay for 90 minutes as they drew one all with Argentina. 
Sebastian Haller made his Ivory Coast debut and Saeed Ben Rama played for Algeria. We'll go into those in a bit more detail. We, of course, as ever, asked the We Are West Ham listeners and Twitter followers uh, for their opinion on the topic of the week. This week, it was goalkeepers, Lucas Fabianski, Darren Randolph, and David Martin are our current three. And we asked you, the listeners, whether or not you'd be happy with that trio at the beginning of next season with some muted suggestions that given Fabianski's age, that it might be time for the Hammers to look for a new man between the sticks, either in January or over the summer. We will have a Betway charity bet section. No bets, of course, last week. But the uh, yeah, the bets for the Sheffield United game this week have been locked in with Chad from Betway already. We'll have Oscar Paul, Northern football correspondent for the Sun newspaper, to look ahead to the Sheffield United game at Bramall Lane on Sunday afternoon. Name that game is, of course, back. I am the quiz master. A tight one last week, just a 1-0 victory from me uh, still leaves James Jones out in the lead but I'm only a point above Tom Edwards at the bottom we've got Catherine Batt for Daily Mail sports journalist and WSL expert to help us wrap up the show with the West Ham women's segment as always the girls unfortunately losing 1-0 at home to Brighton in the WSL on Sunday which leaves them a little bit adrift but they've got a chance to bounce back straight away in the League Cup tomorrow night at Charlton. We will, of course, wrap up with the uh, fantasy football update, which will be a brief one this week, as there's been no games, but it's a busy one as ever. Lads, uh, James, I will I will go to you first. Um, it's, no, it's a case of, uh, I was trying to think which one of you I'd be up with more, but as your wife made the effort to reach out on my birthday, my, um, my feelings towards the Jones family aren't quite as sort of raw as they are towards the Edwards clan. So did you, uh, did you catch many of the England games? I know for, for me this week, I sort of had a bit of a, a bit of a tone down from, from football. I had a few days off uh, for my birthday. Anyway, I was watching the golf and uh, I just had a bit of a decompression, a football decompression, which I like to have every now and then. Did you catch much of the international football? Scotland obviously uh, qualified for the Euros, which was pretty exciting, but no West Ham players involved. Snoddy. Not part of that setup anymore. Um, that was pretty exciting to watch. I didn't, didn't. Well, I had the Ireland game on for. It was one of those where you know when you got the TV on, but you sit on the sofa just scrolling through social media or or whatever. But you have you have something on in the background. Well, it was the England Ireland game that night for me, but I didn't really wasn't really watching. Um, and then I didn't watch any of the Belgium England Belgium game. Uh, I was getting updates on my phone, obviously, but I've, I've did. Just a little bit like you, really. I've decided to take a little bit of a step back on the international break, and from all sport altogether, I didn't watch any of the Masters. Just kind of took a break from it all, and um, yeah, it's been it's been actually quite nice, not caring, not being upset about anything, um, which tends to be the case with us, doesn't it? Although not so much this season. I wish I'd had that feeling of not caring or particularly being upset about anything. But anyway, enough about that. Apparently, you took <laughs> a step back from all of, uh, took a step back from sport and your friendship responsibilities. But whatever, Tom, uh, do you catch much of the uh, the international football? Uh, sadly, lads, I did. I'm too simple. I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do without football. So if it's Slovakia, Armenia, I'm in. But um, Text yeah, your friends I, on their birthday, maybe you could do that. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Exactly. Go on, do I don't even think, I don't even know how to text, mate. That's the issue. But um, <laughs> Yeah, mate, I, I managed to catch the England-Belgium game, the one Rice started. If Rice doesn't start for England, I struggle to watch it. I, I, don't, I can't get behind the international team the same way I can for West Ham for one reason or another. 
but Rice playing on the uh, on the other day, I, it was good. It was good. We actually, England were actually quite impressive for large parts. I know the scoreline doesn't suggest that, but watching Jack Grealish, he's someone who could make England interesting and worthwhile watching and actually give us a shout. It showed a lot of character. Rice was brilliant in the midfield. Another game, 12 caps now. He's 21. Um, really impressive from him. He's a key cog in that midfield. Henderson got hooked at halftime. Um, shows that where Rice is sort of in the pecking order for England and rightly so because we see it week in, week out that he probably is England's best player in that position. So managed to catch enough, but roll on this weekend because it's so boring. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Roll on the return of the Premier League. Yeah, the closest I got to uh, the international football really over the last week or so was I actually got the new um, the England shirt this season's home England shirt for my birthday from my girlfriend and uh, yeah I don't, don't know about you t- I, did, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> but uh, I don't know about you two but I think I've it's, I think it could be the best England shirt of my life I think obviously I was mm. uh, an early 90s baby so the the 96 Euro 96 ones I kind of remember there was some good ones. I like the old England one with the horizontal stripe. Uh, sorry, the vertical stripe down the right-hand side. 2002 World Cup, I think that was. But uh, yeah, I think mm. this one, I don't make a habit of buying England shirts normally, but I think this is an absolute belter. Um, so yeah, that's about as close as I've got. Um, and I've obviously had to send it back to uh, accommodate for my lockdown weight, get a bigger size. <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, I, I, hold on. I do agree with that. Um, Euro '96 was the first first tournament that I that I remember. I, think I was eight years old when that tournament was on, um, and it's a cracking shirt. And uh, yeah, this year's is probably not as not as good, but it's definitely up there. No, no, I do, uh, I do absolutely love it. So um, yeah, just a shame they don't make them for uh, blokes with dad bods. Even though I'm not a dad, <laughs> um, <laughs> just a little bit of housekeeping before we move on to part two of the show just a hello to all of our listeners new and old hope lockdown is treating you okay now if you're living in england 17 days into it just a few more um couple of weeks to go to the beginning of december when it stops and i've got some uh, overseas listeners special shout out to those had a lot of you getting in touch over recent weeks from australia new zealand canada and the states um and we know there's there's more of you listening much further afield in parts of Asia and Northern Europe. It's uh, great to hear from all of you when you do. So a quick shout out and I hope uh, whatever the restrictions are like in your part of the world at the moment that um, you're doing okay. And a special shout out to uh, Michael Wood and a few of the other listeners who got in touch in the week uh, asking how to leave a review because we'd always do ask you to do that and a few of you got in touch asking how and i'll just let you know actually i didn't realize this jonesy but you can't actually rate or review podcasts on spotify i feel like after a uh, hundred thousand um total downloads which we got to the other week uh, which was a great milestone for us on the podcast perhaps should have known that already but yeah if you're listening to us um saying oh please give us a review and you're listening on pod, uh, spotify and you go down and you can't then um, apologies for that but uh, do uh, subscribe to our YouTube there's a link to our YouTube channel in the description to this podcast but yeah Jonesy considering obviously we started this uh, West Ham show as a live radio show me and you a couple of years back now Um, and yeah I think the first couple that we uh, downloaded or you you started it as a radio show before me I come on board 
in the early stages, didn't I? And then uh, I think at the time, if you scroll back to episode one, I think we're on 110 or 111 now, if you go on the We Are West Ham podcast, the first 40 or so had about 30 or 40 downloads or listeners each week, didn't they? Because um, mm-hmm. it was a live radio show, which is where we got most of our audience. We made the switch over. Um, obviously, that, that all had to stop, didn't it? Because of the first lockdown, we went podcast only. And now the... The numbers are, are, you know, they've drastically improved and they keep doing that every week. Um, That was a pretty nice little milestone for us to celebrate, wasn't it? Yeah, it kind of crept up, crept up on us. I was looking at the analytics last week and noticed that we were getting very, very close to 100k um, and knew that, see, within hours of last week's episode going live, we we would have hit it. So uh, I was desperately refreshing the page after we we launched just to see the big 100k come up and... um, yeah, no, it's been it's been a it's been a journey up to now, um, but it's getting bigger, and obviously we're the, those weekly downloads and weekly subscribers are, are going up. Um, so yeah, if if everyone's enjoying it, which the numbers suggest that they are, then make sure you tell your friends and family as well, because um, yeah, we've uh, we've got you know we're getting bigger, and we've got a lot of plans for it in the future. Absolutely, yeah. It's always, um, it's always. That's probably the best way. And it we jam on jabber on. Well, I certainly do, in the housekeeping section at the beginning of the show about um, giving us a review. We would appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter, of course, at we are underscore West End. The YouTube channel link, like I mentioned, is in the description to this pod. So if you like listening and watching, or you'd prefer to watch us instead of listen, you can see uh, the tears trickling down my face after the birthday snub from uh, the lads at the beginning of the show so click on that if you want to and uh, yeah like we say if you can leave us a five-star review uh, and a rating on whatever platform follow subscribe all of that we love it but yeah just tell your mates about it as well there's plenty of people not on twitter um if i ask my dad to share something on twitter or um give us a rating or review on a podcast platform after explaining to him what a podcast is and what a podcast platform is he would uh, i'd then have to go through the same rigmarole with twitter so share the podcast if uh, if you can send a link to anyone you think might like to listen to us jabbering around but that's enough of the housekeeping for now but stay with us because we'll cover all of the headlines of the week and we'll have a West Ham international roundup you are listening to the we are West Ham podcast with me Will Pugh Tom Edwards and James Jones and I've decided to stick with my dying giraffe introduction, as was highlighted to me a couple of weeks ago. We tried a new thing out, but uh, the you are listening is staying for good. Tom, uh, news breaking earlier on this afternoon, so Tuesday afternoon, is that the entire Ukrainian squad, including Andrei Yarmolenko, who has tested positive for coronavirus, have been placed in quarantine. Their Nations League game, with Switzerland was abandoned. This isn't the first uh, COVID case that we've had in the squad, of course. Moisey getting it, it's a Diop as well. He's been a bit periphery player this season, Yarmolenko. Some calls among the fan base for him to get more game time. Do you think that's going to be a big miss? It looked like, obviously, he's going to be isolating for at least a fortnight. He'll need to do that for two weeks and then get his positive test on, uh, on the back end of that. Big miss, that one. I think, uh, luckily enough for us, the place we're probably strongest at the minute in terms of competition is, is that front three. Um, and you've got Fournals, Bowen, 
um, Ben Rama, who are the three all ahead of Yarmolenko now since Ben Rama's come in and they're all fit, they're all ready to go. Ben Rama's had another good international break, got assist last night for um, Mares. looked sharp, played 90 minutes, and then you've got Fournals, who's always going to run and be there and do what he does best each week. And then I don't think Yarmolenko is going to be that much of a miss. He deserves more minutes this season. He's the type of player who can unlock. Uh, unlock defences when they drop deeper in Sheffield United may well do that at points on the weekend but we, do, we haven't seen enough of him this season anyway to say there's anything to miss so for me it's it's one of those which is a shame and hope he comes back quickly because at least he does make the squad a better squad there's there's no doubt about that but uh, I'm not too sure it's going to make much of an impact on the weekend or, or for the foreseeable future certainly gives you that sort of extra something you look at the bench when he's on it and go mm-hmm. blimey yeah that's fair enough rather than as has happened in plenty of seasons past, where you go, oh, that's a good first eleven. I hope we don't have to make any substitutions. Yeah, Jonesy, go on. Um, yeah, I complete. I completely agree with um, with Tom. You know, it's, it's a shame that it's happened, and uh, questions have got to be asked about why international football has been allowed to carry on when almost every international break since COVID has led to a load of spikes in, in cases. Um, which I suppose is expected when you've got loads of loads of people traveling and, and pl- like meeting people from other countries. So, but yeah, I completely agree with um, with Tom that yeah, it's not a massive miss. He's not a, a regular first team first name on the team sheet sort of player, but he is a player that you know could could be relatively effective off, off the bench in, in the right in the right circumstances. But you know, there are other players like Snodgrass that gives you not potentially give Snodgrass an opportunity off the bench because he's not really had a lot of game time as well in the league. I don't even think he's even played in the league for us this season. So, um, yeah, got... for about a minute. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got players there to, to cover and, yeah, just hopefully um, he's not, uh, he, he can recover quickly and then get that negative test. Absolutely. Fingers crossed for a swift return for Andre and uh, yeah, hope he gets through it relatively symptom-free soon. Angelo Albona limped off during the Fulham game with a groin injury. There was uh, David Moyes was a bit worried straight after the game. But um, again, Sam Incasol, football.london. Piece he did earlier on, a friend of the podcast, he's saying that Albona is expected to be in contention to play on Sunday. Um, touch and go. So this is a two o'clock kickoff at Bramall Lane away to Sheffield United Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's a deal. Uh, haven't really missed him this season when he's been on the bench. The five at the back has obviously transformed the games of all of those uh, players at the back, the wing backs and those in the middle. Fabian Balbuena, though, he's will cover it in a little bit more detail, but he's back in South America at the moment. He kept Lionel Messi quiet for 90 minutes the other day in a World Cup qualifier and they played Bolivia again tonight. That game uh, is being played on the Tuesday night before Balboin has to make the long trip back to London. Obviously, you suspect by the time he gets back late Wednesday, maybe that he'll still have a bit of time to recover and, and be ready for Sunday. But, you know, these these things always fatigue the players, don't they? Do you, um, do you sort of... Hopeful on hopeful for Old Bonner to come back. So you missed both of Italy's games, Tom. Or do you think we can we'll sort of be all right without him because it's the system that's that's doing us favours at the moment? I think uh, Old Bonner is a massive will be a massive massive loss for us. He's been the leader in that dressing room alongside Rice and Noble for the past three, four, five years, however long he's been at the club now since 2015. And 
Um, he's really grown into that role as the leader of that back four, as the voice of it. Apparently, even on the videos that the, the club are releasing on YouTube, you can hear him as the overriding voice in that back four and giving the information that the other centre-halves and people around him need to execute what we've done so well. Um, so I think he'll be a massive, massive loss. Um, if Sam Ingsoll is saying that he's he's likely to be fit, he's incredibly reliable, so I'd respect him to be in about the squad. But the only thing is, do you risk him and potentially cause further injury when we're not exactly blessed with the best defenders? You've got Craig Dawson, who will then come in on yeah. the bench. Marquee signing Craig Dawson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he'll be in amongst these, probably praying for some kind of shot because all we've seen of him is the sky cameras panning to him in the stands. So I'm sure he'd like to get some kind of uh, of game time. But for me, I think you've got to tread carefully in this Ogbonna situation because if we lose him for long parts of the season, then our centre-backs could quite easily get found out very quickly without their leader there. It's worth remembering as well, Sheffield United have been blunt as anything this season, haven't they? So uh, if, if ever there's a game where you think, you know, we that you'd want that you don't necessarily have to risk him, it is this one. But yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd end up with um, sort of Cresswell at the, the left, which would be fine. Issa Diop, I think a player of his calibre really should be you should be able to rely on him, shouldn't you? You should be able to expect yeah. him to step in and and not be too worried. But yeah, fingers crossed um, that Angelo is back with it's this weekend or or he's not rushed back and, and saved for the game after. Mikhail Antonio also, I think he's been in light training this week. He could make the bench and that sounds, again, obviously that sounds like it's one of those. I will put him on the bench, maybe give him 10 at the end if we need him but uh, obviously Moyes would prefer to to leave him out that big long gun a bit of a similar situation Jonesy that Tom's saying there do you do you really want to risk him you don't want to don't want to rush him back really do you no uh, and Antonio don't really want to rush back um, yeah I think probably Antonio there's a little bit more, potentially a bit more urgency to it given that you know Haller hasn't really done you know done what Antonio's been able to do in that Banging him in against strike. Madagascar, mate. Well, yeah, if we were playing Madagascar at the weekend, I wouldn't mind so much, but we're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, I think if, if he's going to rush anyone back, it has to be Antonio out of those two. But I still think, you know, give it another week. Um, I think the international break came at the right time for us in terms of those two injuries. But I don't know, I think are we, we're not in a position to, to ha- have to take risks like that, I don't think, with, with team selection. You know, we've over the last, what, six weeks, we've done enough in those first six weeks of the season to just allow ourselves a little bit of breathing space when it comes to those sort of decisions. And um, I, I, I wouldn't be that annoyed if, even if they're both pastors supposedly fit to play, that they were just given another another week or two just to just get back 100% and, and without the risks of, you know, relapsing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Sheffield United, we're... You'd hope we're able to get a, a result against them, sort of regardless of, of lineup, wouldn't you? They haven't played particularly well at all this season. Uh, lads, internationals this week. Just a quick roundup in case uh, no one is sure exactly who's gone where. Kufau and Suchek uh, played as Czech Republic beat Israel 1 0 in the Nations League. Kufau actually got the assist for the winner just seven minutes into the game. Uh, neither of them played. They had a friendly Czech Republic against Germany uh, the few days before, but both of them were rested for that. Obviously, 
prime players in that Czech Republic 11. Lukas Fabianski was an unused sub for Poland. Uh, Dan Randolph, as we've mentioned already, has played 90 minutes in both of Ireland's games, but not getting a look in at West Ham at the moment. Uh, that was the yeah 3-0 defeat to England and then the 1-0 defeat to Wales. Fabian Balbuena, yeah. Uh, Paraguay drew one all with Argentina. It was a World Cup qualifier as well, so a serious game. Um, yeah, and all I keep reading everywhere is kept Lionel Messi in his pocket. I mean, I think, Tom, you would all agree that if you wanted to pick one central defender on in the world of football to go up against Lionel Messi, most of us would pick Fabian Balbuena, would we not? I don't think you can look past him. He's got the exact skill set you want to match up against a quite quick, nimble, most talented footballer ever, arguably. Um, yeah, mate, he's got it all. He's got it all, Fabian. But in in a real, speaking truthfully, it's, it's a good performance to get come away from that. It can only give you confidence. And um, he's not had the best of time in Paraguay. He got sent off in the Copper America the round they went out. I think he, he probably not the most loved bloke out there in those parts after that. But um, yeah, to come out there and give a good performance against the greatest player to ever play the game is only going to build him up for the, the upcoming weeks. So good on him. Uh, let's not get into the Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel yeah. Messi debate now. But uh, yeah, as I say, Paraguay playing Bolivia again tonight, uh, which will obviously be a bit of an easier game. But I think just on Balbuena, Jonesy, quickly, I think uh, we've given him some credit on this show, but he's he's done all right this year, isn't he? Obviously, four million quid we paid for him. Um, he had a really good first season, dropped off again, but then you do get what you pay for and he stepped up to the plate again this season. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Obviously, he he's been quite fortunate in that he's only really, he was only really in the team at the beginning because Diop caught COVID. Um, but then since Diop's recovered, he's, he's done so well. He's been able to keep his place by Buena. So fully deserved, deserved of the, of the plaudits. And, um, you know, he, as you said, he has dropped off, but a lot of people probably would, would have been comparing him to the likes of Ogbonna and Diop who, you know, when Balbuena has not been in the team, it's because those two have been absolutely superb. But he's had he's had to do a lot. He's had to you know stay focused and and really take his chance when he gets it. And he definitely has. He's been one of our best best players this season for me. I think he's been superb. Yeah, getting a decent run of games as well at the moment, which is nice. Sebastian Haller, Tom made the perfect start to his international career. I was a bit surprised to see him opt for the Ivory Coast. I believe obviously he was born in France. Uh, and I believe it's he's got I think it's his mother who's from the Ivory Coast and he's opted to play international football for them he scored on his debut versus Madagascar um, in that, again Africa Cup of Nations qualifying game there's a they've got a double header against them so he's playing against Madagascar again tonight so that's Tuesday night um, we, we've done it to death I think the Haller conversation haven't we but to see him mm. scoring international goals, it can't do us any harm, can it? No, exactly that. A- anyone who's struggling for goals at any point to go, wherever you score goals and put them away to end sort of a bad run of form, it is is a big moment. And for him scoring his international debut, um, probably wants to make a mark at that level for sure and, and prove France wrong and, and sort of send a statement out that he is, he is an international class striker and he can deliver for both club and country. So... Good on him. It's obviously not not the best opposition in the world, but who cares where you score your goals? You've got to put them away still. So to get one in, and it's a good header as well. Great run. He's done everything right for it, no matter who the opposition is. So good on him. Yeah. And uh, long continue. Absolutely. Uh, the last one, Said Ben Rama, uh, set up Riyad Mahrez for an absolute peach 
for Algeria in their, again, Africa Cup of Nations qualifier against Zimbabwe. If you haven't seen it already, go and have a look on YouTube or wherever you find it. The ball from Ben Rama is nice, a nice little crossfield ball, but uh, the touch from Riyad Mahrez before he turns a couple of defenders inside out before he, and then smashing it in the bottom corner is something to behold. So do look that one up on Twitter or YouTube, um, Saeed Ben Rama. Uh, against Zimbabwe for Algeria, of course. James, um, finally, we throw to, uh, or I will throw to you for the We Are West Ham poll, as we do every week. We ask the listeners what they thought. We've mentioned Fabianski there, an unused sub for Poland. Dan Randolph is still number one goalkeeper for Ireland. Um, and there's been some murmurings in the West Ham Twitter sphere or the West Ham world recently, uh, suggesting that. Uh, perhaps it's time to start looking for a new goalkeeper. Lucas Fabianski getting on a bit. Randolph obviously only joined recently. David Martin, the number three, who will forever be a hero for his performance away at Chelsea last season when we won 1-0. We put it to the West Ham fans earlier on, didn't we? We asked them what they thought, as we always do. If you can tell us the numbers, Tom, and then uh, if we've got any comments, because... Uh, we also asked, um, would uh, go on, James. You tell us the question, and Tom, because uh, we also asked if if players wanted, if fans, sorry, wanted another goalkeeper, who would they sign? Yes. Yeah, so, um, would you be happy with West Ham starting next season with the same three goalkeepers? Uh, no, is the the winner. So it looks like fans would rather some replacements in there, um, and I, I tend to agree with that as well. No, what are the numbers. 58. 59% with no. So it's not it's not like a runaway. Uh yes, we've just over 41%. So it's not a runaway runaway win by Donald by Trump. Means, but Donald Trump wouldn't accept that margin of defeat, would absolutely he? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um but we're not demanding a recount on that. It's no, just, that's it's true. A, it's a democracy, it's an open discussion. <laughs> um, exactly, yeah. But, we respect yeah, the win of the Wheel West Ham listeners, don't we? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with Mo as well because you know Dave Martin. I think David Martin's out of his contract at the end of the season anyway. Um, Randolph is he ever going to be our number one keeper? Not no. Um, and, and you know I think Fabianski probably got one more year left in him before he might end up declining or. He might just keep getting better and better. We just don't know yet. So, um, yeah, but I think it's it's that it's a position in the team where you really got to think ahead uh, rather than just, you know, ch- chop and change all the time and, and have a couple of relatively weak backups to your number one. It, you need to plan ahead with this position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand about Randolph not, perhaps not being number one. Um, and you'd probably want to get Fabianski off the books because of his wages. Tom, we did say for those who voted no, so just a, a fairly reasonable majority for those who voted no. Um, just a couple of minutes left in this segment. But what were fans saying about who who they'd like to sign, if anyone, as a replacement or who they'd like to see sort of step up, perhaps? Tom Toll said he'd like to see us go for Nick Pope and if and if not Nick Pope, if they were relegated, sorry. And um, next choice for him would be Martinez at Aston Villa. Both probably a bit ambitious. And then Luke Martin, Turner... Yeah, Martinez is not going to go anywhere, yeah, is he? No. Exactly. And then Luke Turner made a good point saying, bring some of the academy players through. Keep hearing about how we've got some great prospects in Trotten and Nang would be good to see if they can make it. Though testing keepers in the first team is tricky. And... Um, I think that's a great point by Luke. We have heard a lot about the keepers, whether or not they're first choice ready. Not, I'm 
I think we need two. Maybe if you're going to change the keepers up, you need to go out and spend big money on one, and then maybe get rid of the Randolph or Martin and bring one of the youngsters through. Then I don't think you can you can thrust them in. No, I wouldn't mind. I don't think being a number three does any either of them any favours though, does it? I, I think they have to go the the Dean Henderson route at Manchester United as a young keeper. You've got to go out and prove, perhaps at a Championship side, that and be number one for a Championship team. Trot's gone on loan to FC Wimbledon and he's done all right there. I know it's League One, but he, he yeah. went and played 24 games. He was one of their best players whilst he was at the club. He kept a lot of clean sheets. So I think he's shown a bit already. I agree. I agree. Well, uh, West Ham fans hoping for a new goalkeeper, whether or not it's one, two or three, but uh, yeah, certainly an area for concern for West Ham over the summer. But stay with us because next up we'll look ahead to Sheffield United away on Sunday and we'll, of course, have the Betway charity bets. So the We Are West Ham listeners saying that we need a new goalkeeper at some point before the start of next season. I'm not really certain. I don't think it's fair to necessarily cast Fabianski out in the wilderness just yet. And I don't really think, to be quite frank, that uh, having Darren Randolph as number two is any bad thing either. Still a fairly decent international standard goalkeeper for Ireland and Fabianski showing nothing to me at the moment to suggest that his age is going to hamper him at all. The David Martin thing, I'm really not sure how, uh, how much that number three position really affects it, but it would be good to get those two young lads, Nathan Tryan and Nang, out on loan. Um, hopefully, because it would be nice to have a, a homegrown goalkeeper. Again, certainly as Jonesy says, important to look ahead and plan ahead uh, between the sticks but enough about that back to the football at hand no more looking ahead or no more looking too far ahead anyway only as far as Sunday afternoon two o'clock Bramall Lane Sheffield United away is West Ham's next opponent and of course as ever the Betway charity bets are back no bets last week a little bit unfortunate not to win any money the week before against Fulham. We all backed West Ham wins for the first time this season. Unfortunately, we were expecting a little bit more than a scrappy 1-0. This week, lads, want to get that ball rolling again on the old financial side of things. For those of you who may be new to the podcast, uh, me, James and Tom are thanks to a partnership we've got with Betway are raising some money for three West Ham-related charities. Betway are giving us £50 each per week to put on a uh, bet selection of our choice and any winnings from those bets goes to the charities that we're playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James Jones is playing for the DT38, Dylan Tombides Foundation, and Tom for Isla's fight, Isla Caton's fight against neuroblastoma. Uh, we've got a few hundred quid in the bin already. Betway have kindly agreed to double whatever we win at the end of the season. So it's going all right so far, but it's gone a bit stale. The last few weeks, we haven't put any money on the board for a while. Um, I've gone a little bit more uh, cautious this week, I'd say. I just wanted one of those, not too bothered about big odds. I just want some money to start rolling in again. But Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, what's your pick for the Sheffield United away game this week for your Betway charity bet? 
like you said there, well, it's just about getting money on the table for me, particularly as well as trying to get that first win under the belt. So uh, taking a little bit of time over it this week, I've gone over 8.5 corners, both teams like getting it wide. So I presume that hopefully will happen. Bowen to score any time, just fancy him to end that duck. It's a few games now, I fancy him to get on the end of it. And over 2.5 cards. It's always a bit of a scrappy game between us and them now, especially with everything that's happened. So I fancy a bit of needle in the game and fingers crossed I get this one over the line. It's about time now. Yeah, that's, uh, I like that. I think the, the Jared Bowen thing, um, probably the one of those iffy ones that could go either way. I had yeah. a few pepper, peppered Fulham's goal, didn't he, in the first half, the last time out in the Premier League. He's had the international break where he'd obviously he'll be one of the, the fresher ones in the squad. And yeah, I, I fancy a few few cards this week as well. Jonesy, I like the look of your bet. When you sent that through on the WhatsApp group earlier, uh, if I was feeling more brave, I would definitely have gone on along those lines. So uh, what have you gone for? Yeah, well, I mean, I try and I've been trying to get a player to score in in as many bets as possible, and I've gone for Bowen a few times this season, like like Tom has this week. Um, but I've decided to go for four hours to score any time this week. I, f- I don't feel as though he scores enough for for the position that he plays, but he's definitely he's well overdue a goal. I know he scored, scored early in the season at, uh, um, at Anfield and Leicester, um, but he's, he's overdue a goal again, and I think. Um, he just looks a lot more likely to score this season than he did last. And um, yeah, I fancy it. He's scored in two away games this season, obviously away again this week. So backing him again, more than 1.5 goals. Um, you know, I think this the way the season's going, there's been goals, isn't there? And uh, I, I fancy that trend to continue. And I've gone for a penalty to be awarded. So many penalties this season. Um and this season will forever be known as the year of the penalty, won't it? So um, I'm back in another penalty involving West Ham and Sheffield United this weekend. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think I backed the the penalty to be awarded in the Liverpool game, and indeed it was. I know what you mean. The only thing I don't like uh, about this weekend, Sheffield United have not been good going forward this season, have they? So my selection reflects that. Just so everyone knows, by the way, you can actually go on the Betway website or app later on in the week. It'll probably be around Friday for a Sunday game um, and place these selections. So you go to the uh, Bet Your Way, Build Your Own Bet section of the Betway website or app, and it's under Pre-Built Bets. And if you go down there, you'll find the We Are West Ham Bets. Mine, James's and Tom's name will be on there. So if you want, you like the sound of what we're saying, you can go onto the Betway app and back uh, the selections that me and the boys have had but mine this week is West Ham double chance uh, so win or draw that is West Ham win or a draw less than 3.5 total goals in the game and one booking for each team it sounds a bit cagey I don't think there'll be loads of goals in the game I think Sheffield United are going to struggle and I've got a horrible feeling West Ham might struggle a la Fulham with Sebastian Heller up front it's going to be a bit of a grim watch and uh, yeah, hopefully a little bit of needle in it as well. Well, fingers crossed we can uh, pull some money in for the charities this week. And next up to let us know whether he thinks we've got half a chance or not is Oscar Paul, Northern Football Correspondent for the Sun newspaper, covers Sheffield United on his travels most of the time. So he'll be with us next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And I'm delighted to say that to look ahead 
to the West Ham Sheffield United game. Sunday, two o'clock kickoff at Bramall Lane is Oscar Paul, Northern football correspondent for the Sun newspaper, friend of the podcast, been on before and he was great. So we thought we had to get him back again. Oscar, nice of you to join us, mate. Great to speak to you again. Sheffield United at the weekend. We'll go on to the the so-called rivalry between the two clubs a little bit later on. I, for one, always look out or have done since I've been back in the Prem for the Sheffield United fixture. I'm still fully on board with a bit of needle between the two clubs and uh, over the whole Tevez affair. But uh, just as far as league form goes, had a brilliant, brilliant season last season, the Blades. But they sit rock bottom now. But it's not quite what meets the eye because they've had a pretty tricky start, haven't they? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thank you for having me back, Jen. It's uh, good to see you all. And yes, uh, I mean, on, on paper, it's been a disaster, hasn't it? I mean, um, challenging for Europe. Um, the dreaded second season syndrome was, was sort of the buzzword. And it's, it's on, as I said, on paper, it's, it's proving true. Uh, rock bottom of the league, one point, um, which was at home to Fulham in a game, really, they were, they were outplayed by Fulham. I mean, that sort of, sort of says it all with Mitrovic, sort of scored a penalty and didn't concede one, um, they might be doing all right. But yeah, I mean, anyone can have a bad start though, can't they? Uh, but then when you've had that bad start, you don't really want Liverpool, City, Chelsea straight up. I mean, it's hard to bounce back. But even even in those games, I mean, there were some signs of encouragement. I'm try- I think I'm, I'm trying to give it an optimistic slant because I do think that, first of all, I think they'll be all right. But Liverpool took the lead and weren't steamrolled, ended up 2-1. Man City, 1-0 at home. It's, you know, Chelsea ended badly. They ended up getting hammered 4-1. Um, they started that game really well, the Chelsea one, didn't they? Took the lead again. Um, and you think, you know, they might... They might ha- Chelsea can uh, equalise quite soon after. But problem is, they didn't look like scoring another. Uh, and they got worse and worse as the game went on. Um, I think we all know, you know, last year they... Took the league by storm, but they, they scored, I think they had the fewest shots in the league. They didn't score many goals. It was built on rock-solid defence and this sort of, you know, unique sort of overlapping overlapping centre-backs and everything. And whether they've been caught out, I don't really buy into that whole argument. Um, the problem is, is that they, they've they bought Rian Brewster in. He was their big money signing up front so to sort of rectify this problem. The guy had never played a Premier League game before, um, and they paid 20, 20 odd mil. Chris Wilder said it's his, uh, it was his number one choice all, all along, um, and you can sort of see why. But the question marks are, I don't know, you, you know, he got his, I think it was his first start against Chelsea. I think he had three touches all game, um, and his heat, you know, they do these heat maps, and I mean, it was, it was sort of laughable. But it, he's it, in cold, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's a player who uh, is a natural finisher. Um, so what do they need? They need chances. Sheffield United aren't creating. So uh, a lot of question marks now around, is he, is he, you're pinning a lot of hope on him. That's, that's the point I'm talking about. Him. Um, does he fit their style? You'd have to back Wilder on that. But um, yeah, it's interesting. This, I mean, we're already in must-win territory for them, really, not far off. Because they've, you know, after you, they've got West Brom. But then after that, they've got Leicester, Southampton, Manchester United. They're only really three tough games. You come out of them with, with bugger all and, and then you're into the, into the flesh of December. And in, you know, you might not have more than five points. So, yeah, big game. Oscar, what is it that Wilder, if anything, has changed? Because really, 
they lost Henderson in the summer. Obviously, went back to Man United. They replaced him with Ramsdale. Obviously, good keeper, but obviously not as good. Um, and yeah, okay, the fixtures have been difficult, but they, they've they've lost to teams and they're not beating teams that they were they were beating last year without anything apart from the goalkeeper and the striker really changing. So, what what I know you said that you don't really buy into second season syndrome, but surely that has to play a part into into what's gone on at Sheffield United because nothing on the on the on the surface has really changed. No, and I would argue he hasn't tried to change much at all. Um, he would argue, and there's, there is, they've had a nightmare with injuries. Let's be honest. I mean, they because they don't score goals, they rely on a really measly defence, and they had it last year with that three at the back. Henderson, they've lost Henderson, they've lost Jack O'Connell, who was a stalwart last year, and the the sort of what kept them going was this consistency throughout the team, um, consistency in selection, consistency in performance, and now they're they're leaking sloppy goals, which really was their bread and butter. Um, and I mean, it's in terms of what he's changing, he hasn't changed the system. The players, half of the players he bought in the summer haven't really had a look in. I think you have to question some of the recruitment because he's buying young British players, Max Lowe, Jaden Bogle, Ollie Burke. He likes these sorts of rough diamonds. He's tried it with Ravel Morrison, Jack Rodwell, sort of. It fits into that a little bit. And it hasn't really worked out. Um, so question marks have to be asked there as well. As in, they haven't had anyone to come in and, drastically improve the team from the word go. Um, but I think missing John Fleck is another one who's been out. And these are big players for Sheffield United. They, they were huge in getting them up, huge in their last season. Um, and it's, it's massive for a team in a small, close-knit squad to lose those players when you don't the replacements aren't quite up to it. I think, I think it's big for a club like Sheffield United, to be honest, yeah. Oscar, another one of those who, who's supposedly doubtful for the game this weekend is Sander Burge. And what I've seen of him is um, a really, really talented player. I was a bit wary first two months I watched and then since then he, he's been unbelievable. And in terms of a big money signing, how do you think he's done for the club long term? And how, what do you think you're going to miss from him in the weekend if he's not going to play and, and is he going to play? Yeah, well, first of all, it's an interesting one, isn't it? In terms of why he's not going to play. I don't know if there's some, some dispute between Norway and um, mm. I don't the club aren't commenting on it at the moment, so we'll find out over the next couple of days. But he's, I think he's been their, their best player of the season, arguably their only bright spark. Um, came, you know, record signing, came in, um, took him a long took him a while. I think he's admitted it recently. Took him a while to get up to speed here the whole time, don't we? But this season, he's really sort of dragged them along a little bit from midfield. He's playing a little bit higher. Um, the problem is, is that he's too good for Sheffield United now. It's, it's, it's almost getting to that stage where where he's now excelling in a team who are struggling and, and he's going to have suitors, I think. And he's, 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 talked, he's played in the Champions League before. He's spoken about... Oh, he wouldn't want to get back to that. And he's not going to do it with Sheffield United, let's be honest. And he's young and his value would have only increased. But as he, in answer to the question, he's adapted. It's taken him time. But he's now... I, you know, I think he's... a top six midfielder really I do I think you know he's, he's, he's as, you, as you said he stood out in, in a team which maybe it's quite easy to stand out in that team <laughs> Oscar just to uh, like the actual style of the of the game as such me and the lads uh, we're raising money for some West Ham charities this season through a partnership we have with Betway and we have a bet on the upcoming game 
uh, each week and any winnings we win from it go towards uh, the West Ham charities that we're playing for. I think me and the, me and the boys have, have gone pretty similar this week. Uh, I've gone uh, West Ham or draw, uh, less than three and a half total goals in the game and a booking for each team. Jonesy's gone with some bookings as well. Um, sorry, Tom has gone with some bookings as well. And James has said that he thinks a penalty is going to be awarded. I think it seems from those that we're all going for kind of a bit of a scrappy affair with a bit of needle and a few hard challenges, but a low scorer. Is that yeah. what, is that the sort of thing you can see coming or how do you see the game playing out? Well, Sheffield, Sheffield United aren't going to score many goals. So I think that's a good starting point. Um, you, 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 first, they scored two, what they scored? Uh, four goals all season, two of them were penalties. Um, low scoring, yeah. Uh, it depends how many you got, if you can turn up really. I mean, if, if you can turn up, then it, you could get over two and a half goals, but I, could, I can't disagree with that, really. I mean, it's, it's pointing towards that, isn't it? Scrappy, 1 0. I don't know. After what I've said, Ryan Brewster probably stick it in the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now you've said it. Lads, just quickly, while we've, while we've got Oscar on, we'll get his uh, thoughts on it as sort of an independent outsider in a minute. But, Tom, what do you make of this, of the rivalry as such between the two clubs? Because to be quite honest, I quite enjoy it. I still quite like the, the... It was a massive rivalry that season, which is probably one of my favourite seasons of supporting West Ham, uh, was going home and away on that great escape season. And for a few seasons around that, we are always tussling at the bottom of the league and it was a bit needly and it was a bit horrible. Um, and yeah, I remember going to the game, we lost 3-0 and Michael Tong whacked a free kick in from the edge of the box. Carlos mm-hmm. Tevez did absolutely nothing. Obviously, it all blew up with the Tevez Mascarano saga. They went down, even though, you know, they they could have won. They had opportunity to stay up. They were well safe, or as good as, with nine games running, and they threw it away and blamed us for it. What's your What's your take on that rivalry? Some of the lads we spoke to last season weren't particularly having it for the opposition view that were Sheffield United fans, but I still really enjoy it and really, really look out for that game and hope we beat them. Mate, absolutely. And even more so, I was up there last year. I went to both games. It was a home game and I went up there last night, sorry, last season. And it was a night game and we got in the day before. We got in and you knew that this wasn't a normal fixture. It was like, I'm not, I'm talking a certain amount of police asking you if you got off at the station, where you're staying, what you're doing, who you're from, where you're from. We got marched from there to our hotels, got out of the hotel. It could have just been your hair, couldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Then we had to meet in a, Meet at the pub, go to the game, and then after the game, they weren't letting anyone in who uh, had a southern accent. And after the game, there was a massive, massive fight. They've got a bridge coming over, and they came. For, it, it, it's it's not a. It, it, there's no love lost, that's for sure. Whether that be with the city, with us, whatever it was, it was quite a nasty, nasty affair up there, and it's only made it, I think, a lot, a lot bigger. A lot of the talk after was about how bad the violence was. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great night for football violence up there that night, but um, it's only made the rivalry bigger. And it, it's almost nice to have a needle with another opposition, to be fair, like this and a random one at that. Now, Jonesy, one of your greatest ever moments on Twitter um, and the the backlash you received from West Ham fans far and wide was when you had the audacity to suggest that you wouldn't want West Ham to draw Millwall in the cup. And uh, there was a a, a reasonable section 
of West Ham fans <laughs> came after you for that, um, calling you all sorts of names <laughs> under the sun, suggesting that perhaps you weren't a proper West Ham fan if you didn't want to play a team that many consider our biggest rivals. Uh, what's I'm very eager, based on that, to get your thoughts on Sheffield United, or do you just think they should be kicked out of the Premier League and we shouldn't be allowed to play them? <laughs> Oh, I hate playing Sheffield United. I hate rivalries altogether, boys. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I think I, I, I do quite like the, the Sheffield United rivalry, but that's only because the way they reacted that that year when they went down and you know blamed us and blamed Tevez um, is it's just pathetic. You know, when you consider that you know we played them in in the April, I think Tevez played the full ninety minutes at Bramall Lane, and they still beat us three 0 with Tevez on the pitch. You know, had they not sold Unsworth to Wigan? In January, only for Unsworth, Unsworth to score the winner against them on the final day to send them down. Brilliant. All they had to do was beat Wigan and they would have stayed up. Um, so the reason why they went down that year is because of Sheffield United. That's why they went down. It's because of them, not Tevez, not West Ham. Uh, it was for David Unsworth and Sheffield United sent them down. So I'm not having that. And that's why I quite enjoy you know, the rivalry between us now, just because they made a rivalry out of nothing that year. Um and then Wigan got involved as well. And that's why I don't really like Wigan these days as well. Because they stayed up and still got involved in it. It's like, nah, no time for either of them. <laughs> no time for either of them. Oscar, you're sort of obviously a bit more of an independent head on that. Um, you're, what do you, obviously you'll, you'll get a pick up vibes and stuff from, from the fans as well in, in the work that you do. What's your sense of, of, of the fixture and, and how it's viewed by by those of a Sheffield United persuasion. I think it was easy for the guys we spoke to last season. They were having such a good year. It was like, well, it doesn't matter. We've got bigger fish to fry at the moment, and we are frying them. What, what's the, the sort of vibe around it now? I was uh, I was at that game, the Friday night game you were talking about, Tom. Um, it was a devastating game for you, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, but that's still one of the best scenes that I've ever been a part of when Snodgrass put it in. It might be top two. Is VAR, <laughs> VAR disallowed a late equaliser for those who can't remember? Is that right, Tom? It is sadly right, but it honestly never felt like that. It was carnage, but it, it, it was worth it still. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, uh, Oscar, go on. No, I mean, from I remember the, the you talking about the atmosphere and just sort of walking to the ground, That even driving into the city that night, Friday night, getting out of my car, walking through the city. Um, actually, I was staying in a hotel full of West Ham fans. Um <laughs> Piled on mass. I mean, they're all getting, you know, it's it Friday night in, you know, a weekend away, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But the police presence, I, I was shocked by just by what what the city was bracing themselves for. And you yeah. get to the ground, and, and I mean, it was big. I mean, I'm, I've rarely seen a police presence like that. To be honest, once I got in the ground, the game started, I didn't really feel it as much. It very much felt like it was more outside as though it was sort of being blown up a little bit as though they're expecting it. I, I didn't see much myself. You clearly did. Mm. In, in the ground, it, you know, it was, it was a decent game under the lights of Bramall Lane, but I didn't get that sort of vibe. But um, just back to what you were saying, well, I mean, what, what, what's not to love about a bit more needle in the Premier League? Yeah. I mean, it's what, we, it's what we love, isn't it? I mean, another North-South rivalry, why not bring it on? Like, it's, it's good for football. I think most Sheffield United fans are probably over it. I'm probably exacerbated by the fact they spent so long out of the Premier League after that. Um, so it's lingered, magically. But yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I bring it on. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it's obviously not one of those games like when we play Tottenham or, or Arsenal or Chelsea where we'd either be watching, you know, we might have mates who, who support one of those teams and you text afterwards whatever the result is. It's not really one of those rivalries, is it? It's purely based on what has happened in the past. I don't know about you two, but I certainly haven't got any Sheffield United mates that, I would, that I'd be on to after the game or that would be on to me if they win. But Oscar, thanks very much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Before we let you go, just give us a quick score prediction for Sunday afternoon's game. 1-0 Sheffield United. Oh, after all of that. After all that. <laughs> the tide is turning. Exactly. Lads, while I've got you, Tom, uh, give us your score prediction quickly before we let Oscar go. 1-1. Uh, We're serial failures. We're failures, sorry. 1-1. One, one. Serial failists, that's a new word that's going in my vocabulary. James Jones, come on. 2-1 West Ham. 2-1 to West Ham, I like that. You know what, I think we'll just have enough. I think it'll be ugly and a bit grim and I'm going to go 1-0 to West Ham. But Oscar Paul, Northern football correspondent for the Sun newspaper, thanks very much for joining us again and stay with us because next up, it's Name That Game. So that was Oscar Paul there, Northern Football Correspondent for The Sun, giving us the Sheffield United opposition view. Oscar perhaps playing down the rivalry between the two clubs slightly, but one thing that all four of us are agreed on is that it's going to be a bit of a scrappy, low-scoring game at the weekend. So obviously, bring on the four all. We can all see that one coming on the horizon, can't we? But one more competition that has hotted up in recent weeks is, of course, name that game. Uh, each week, a quiz master, who is me this week, picks a West Ham match from history, collates seven necessary pieces of information. And the other two players, which tonight is Tom and James, get one point for each one of the pieces of information they can guess uh, before the quiz master gives them away. So the seven pieces of information are an obscure fact about the game the scoreline only one opposition goal score if there were any one West Ham goal score if there were any the stadium in which it was played West Ham's opponent and the season and if the scores are drawn after those seven then the tie break is the exact year that the game took place Jonesy you seem to have been on 16 for about 10 weeks running somehow me and Tom have notched a couple of ugly points up over the last few weeks, Tom did leads away Ravel Morrison's debut last week, which was a belter, but me and you drawing a blank for most of it until I nipped in and got one point with the season in the very last piece of information. The scores at the moment is Tom Edwards bottom of the leaderboard of 10, James Jones out in front on 16 and Will Pugh me on 11 points. I'm of course the quiz master this week, so cannot get any points on the board. Jonesy, have you got an explanation behind this 16? I might have to listen back to a few episodes and see if there's been a scoring error at some stage. I mean, I, I know that I, the first two or three are kind of comprehensive victories, I think it was. And then um, I think last week was the first time I've been beaten. Um, might might be wrong on that, so don't hold me to it. But um, And last week was a little bit tight, wasn't it? So, yeah, uh, I'm eager to hit... 20 this week. I fancy myself to hit the big the big 2-0. Um, but we'll see. 
WLSM hit 100,000 downloads. James Jones hits 20 points on name that game. What a momentous week that would be for you. William Pugh hits 29 years of age, but no one notices that, so don't worry about it. (laughs) Let's get straight into name that game. Thomas, are you ready? Ready, mate. James Jones, are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Right. Well, the first thing is first is for me to flap over the page on my notepad so knee review can see. And I'm going to let you know that obscure piece of information number one, and this, lads, will test how much attention you pay to previous podcasts. The obscure piece of information for this game is that I sat in a box with Tony Cotty and watched this game. Now, I have actually revealed that piece of information before on the podcast with Tony Cotty. We have had a conversation about that. So the lads, no guesses from the lads at the moment. Uh, The scoreline is next up. So the scoreline is or was nil-nil. Now, lads, normally the next two... The next, per, the next piece of information I would need from you is one opposition goal scorer if there were any. Now, of course, the scoreline was nil-nil. So, I'm going to offer you one point if you can name either the opposition manager or one of the two players who also played for West Ham in their careers who started for the opposition that night. Oh. Uh, Steve Bruce. It is not Steve Bruce. Tom James Jones, it throws to you for an opportunity to guess at either of those. See, I remember you having that conversation with Tony Cotty. And I th- I, I, I'll always remember it because he had he, he had no idea it, it ever happened. No, um, absolutely no clue who I was. Which was funny. Um, but the, the actual game escapes me. And it nil nil. You, you've just given a, a slight clue that it was a night game, um, but I can't remember a nil nil on a night game. Okay, no problem at all. So you're even going to take a stab in the dark at the opposition manager or one of the two players who also played West Ham in their careers who started. No, I'm you gonna, can't, Tom. I'm, you're out. You've had your guess for this round. I'm going to go opposition manager Tony Pulis. That is incorrect. So the next one would normally be one West Ham goal scorer if there are any, but I need to give you both an opportunity to win a point. So this time I'm going to offer up one point if you can name the West Ham manager on the day. Ooh. Either of you can guess first. Um, Pellegrini. Pellegrini is incorrect. It throws to James Jones the chance to win the first point of name that game this evening. The scoreline was nil-nil. I sat in a box with Tony Cotty. The lads couldn't get the opposition manager or the two players who also played West Ham in their career who started the opposition that night. But one point up for grabs, James, if you can name me the West Ham manager on the night. Sam Allardyce. It's one-nil to James Jones. Sam Allardyce is the correct answer. Absolutely huge. Tom Edwards, it throws to you for the stadium in which it was played. Upton Park. Upton Park is correct. That was a bit of an easy point for Tom there. But Jonesy, this for the win, the season in which the game was played. Same out of dice. I'm going to... 14-15. 
2014-15 is incorrect. Tom Edwards, a chance for the steal right at the death after getting the easy low-hanging fruit with Upton Park. You've got a chance to steal it. And well, this will put you ahead of me on the overall leaderboard if you get this one. So the season in which the game was played, please, Tom. Oh, 2012-2013. James is grinning. That is wrong. It's incorrect. It's going to go to a tiebreaker. The correct season was 2011-12. was the season. Uh, right, and I'm really, really, really sorry. This is awful Quizmaster ability from me there. I've skipped one of the clues or pieces of information out. After Stadium... James Jones, you were supposed to have a guess at the opponent. It's still fair because you both got the season wrong. But James Jones, the opponent, please. Nil-nil draw that season. Who did we draw nil-nil with that season? I'm going to say... Nah, nah, I think them. Oh, I know it. Bristol City. Oh, he's got it. James Jones. Lovely stuff. Bristol City, nil-nil at home on a Tuesday night, Tuesday the 1st of November 2011. I had an argument in the box with Tony Cotty about Papa de Buba Diop. Sam Allardyce had been getting pelters in the press in the weeks previous for his style of play, and then he decides to bring on Papa Buba Diop in place of Freddie Sears in the 76th minute when West Ham were drawing nil-nil at home with the bottom of the league side. I also remember that game because those were the days where I used to go to West Ham with our season tickets in the East Stand Upper. It'd be me, my dad, my granddad and my cousin. And my cousin had gone to France on holiday with some of his friends for that week. And he decided that it would be a good idea, inadvertently, he took the season tickets with him. He just One of us usually held on to all the cards and then we met up at the game the next week. He took all four season tickets with him. Uh, so it was just me, my dad and my granddad. And my sister had come along in my cousin's place. We noticed that none of us had the season tickets in the car on the way. So I quickly got on the phone, managed to get me and my granddad into a box uh, with my cousin, luckily, who, who had a couple of spares. Bristol City at home on a Tuesday night. Funnily enough, no one was particularly bothered about going to that game in November. My dad had to shell out uh, 46 quid, and I still remember it because of the exact amount. He still goes on about it today. 46 quid for an adult's ticket in the Dr. Martin's Upper. I think he only paid about a fiver for my sister, who was young at the time. And uh, yeah, about 50 notes out of his own pocket because my cousin had uh, taken the season cards to France with him. And then it was the grimmest, coldest nil-nil you've ever seen in your whole entire life. It was an absolutely rank game. But I must apologise for my um, for getting the order of the clues incorrect then, whether or not. Uh, do you think you would have got that, Jonesy? I think it could have been a different situation if I'd have got it in the right order. Um, yeah, because by then I... I was able to think of the year um so yeah it kind of worked in my favor a little bit i will admit mm, were you at that one but i was at that one um i remember it more for her after we left the ground and we were walking back to upton park station and out of nowhere about 20 bristol city fans come out of nowhere on green street and started fronting up against just a load of people outside the chicken shop remember the chicken shop just opposite the ground or opposite the little school 
Mm. And uh, they were all sort of going, coming in, coming in. And there was like just a load of like, like, like kids really and old people just standing outside the chicken shop waiting to get their dinner. Everyone's looking at him like, what is wrong? It's a Tuesday night. Go home. Like, what are you it's doing? Been, it's nil-nil. You're bummed. Like, leave, come on. Leave like, and they were like, come on, let's have it. And then out of nowhere, a lot of police came and, and got rid of them and all that. But it was just all a little bit strange. Um, like, trying to have a fight with a lot of people at some chicken shop on a Tuesday night. Um, but what I want to know is, who are the two players that play for Bristol that day that used to play for West Ham? Uh, David James was in goal for Bristol City. Was he really? Yeah, I wow. didn't know that either. And Tom... Uh, you get a bonus point if you can guess the uh, the player up front as I nosed up the order of the quiz. Oh, up front for Bristol City. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm not even sure if I can really muster a cohesion. <laughs> that era, when was it? What was the year? 2012. 11-12. Uh, yeah, centre forward, playing for Brilliant. Bristol City that night. Josie, you're not getting any points for it, but you know it was now. I've said it was a striker. The only no. person that's come Maynard to... before he came to I was us. About to but... say yeah, Nicky Maynard. There you go. Yeah, well, before Nicky he Maynard. came to us. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, yeah. Nicky. Bit of a trick Maynard question that one. Eh? Well, yeah. I, I made sure the wording was correct. Who also played for West Ham in their careers was the wording. Nice. Nice, no, nice time. These, these things don't escape me, but uh, yeah, bit of a um, bit of a grim game that one. But James Jones, you go on to eighteen points in the name that game leaderboard. And Tom, as I nosed up the clues, then I will give you two for Nicky Maynard at the end. So bit of a two-all draw. Uh, between the lads. I think it would have been a draw anyway if I'd got the, the flipping questions in the right order, but that leaves the scores at James on 18, Tom on 12, and me on 11. Next week, it is James Jones in the Quizmasters hot seat. Uh, lads, decent one that tonight. I've enjoyed reminiscing on those championship games after Tom picked Leeds away last week. Uh, Jonesy, you're in the hot seat next week. Um, you'll have to change it up a bit. I think if we get another draw in the championship game it'll start to get a bit boring for everyone at home but stay with us because next up we've got Catherine Bat, journalist from the Daily Mail and WSL expert joining us to talk all things West Ham women So name that game there, a game that will stick in my memory for as long as I live, I think, and certainly the memory of my dad as well, not best pleased after that one. But as always, we are wrapping up the show with the West Ham women's segment. I am delighted to say that we are joined by Daily Mail sports journalist and WSL expert Catherine Batt. West Ham are still ninth in the WSL at the moment. 1-0 home defeat to Brighton on Sunday. has left the girls adrift a bit in the WSL. Brighton are eighth. Um, West Ham a few points behind them. Now, Catherine, first of all, thank you for joining us. Last week on the show, we were sort of full of sweetness and light. We had Isabel Barker on from the sun talking about two victories on the bounce for West Ham after what had been a pretty grim start to the season we were hoping that you know they could make it three from three they overcome Brighton earlier in the season in the League Cup albeit on penalties and an unfortunate one on the weekend Rihanna Jarrett with the goal on 68 minutes nice ball over the top Jilly Flaherty probably 
her defending, uh, she won't be pleased certainly with with her involvement in the goal. But um, what have you? What did you make of the game? First of all, the the Brighton game on the weekend. It's a disappointing result after after two decent ones for the girls. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of like um, one step forward, two steps back um, this season for West Ham. And I think Matt Beard, I saw, I saw his interview after the game and he, he was quite frustrated at uh, the chances that they missed in the first half. I think he said they could have had the game kind of won um, in the first 45 minutes, but uh, didn't quite take their chances. And um, it's just been a frustrating one for, for, for West Ham this season. They've just struggled to kind of build momentum um it's like I say yeah it's, it's the, the win one game and then they sort of lose two and it's um it's, it's not been an easy start for them no I mean West Ham West Ham are on four points now uh still ninth obviously only one team get relegated in the WSL Bristol City at the moment are on uh they're their bottom they're obviously they've shipped 30 goals from six games they've only picked up a point it's, it's not looking good for them at all, but West Ham again only only three points above them. But Brighton, who are only a position above them, that that sort of they could have done with that to keep themselves in touch with that that middle group of teams. We were talking at the beginning of the season, saying that's where the girls should be targeting. Obviously, still a fair amount of time left, but can you can you see them turning it around? Because there did seem to me to be moments of promise in that game on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at the squad, there's there's a lot of good players in there. You think of Ken, Kenza Daly and, and Rachel Daly, obviously coming in on loan. Um, Martha Thomas, I think, I think she needs a goal to just kind of really kick her season on because she's kind of struggled to. I think she scored in the league yet this season. Um, she missed two she, huge chances yeah. as well, didn't she, on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, she she is a quality striker. I think I think it's just a confidence thing. Um, when I was watching the documentary. A few months ago, actually, it was kind. Of, she came across, and she really struck me as like a player that that scores goals when she's when she's confident, and when she's when she's not, is when she kind of struggles and going through a bit of a bad spell at the minute. But there is kind of two leagues in WSL at the minute. Um, you've got the, the the top kind of five, and then you say the the middle section, and then and then the bottom, the bottom sort of two and three. Um, West Ham should really be aiming for kind of just just outside that top five. Um, I think they've got the players to do it. It's just a case of getting getting a bit of winning momentum and, and hopefully that, that starts in, in, in the cup tomorrow. Catherine, where does, where does Matt Beard and, and, and the club go from here, really? Because no, we, we've, we've been saying for the last few weeks or well, a good, a good month ago, you know, maybe you know, they might, be forced into making a change because you know they were struggling for form but then you know a couple of cup wins get the first league win under their belt and then suddenly last week we're like actually they've turned a corner and then and then another defeat with a load of missed chances and as you mentioned before Matt Beard called it frustrating another frustrating game and it, it strikes to me and probably a lot of other people looking looking from the outside in that there's, there's definitely a confidence thing going on you mentioned you mentioned confidence up front but can Matt Beard get that out of them or is it going to need a change sooner rather than later for, for West Ham to avoid a, a potential relegation scrap? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because um, it, I don't think there are any managers out there um, that would be available and sort of re- ready to come um, into the club that, that could get more out of those players that are there. Um, I think he's he probably, I think he has the backing of the squad um, going off kind of Jilly Flatty's comments um, in, in that documentary. And it's just, it's just a case of sometimes I think um, you get into a bit of a rut and um, Matt's an experienced manager. He should know how to, to sort of change things around, mm. but 
it's a case for him himself as well whether he thinks he's taken the squad as far as he can go. Um, you know, he's been he's been successful before when he's had money to spend. He's, he's spent money at West Ham, but um, obviously the players he's brought in aren't quite doing it for him at the minute. Um, but I, I do think he is probably the man at the minute to, that can turn it around because, like I say, I don't think there's any managers out there that you would say you could you could bring them in and you know could could sort of turn things around. But um, hope, hopefully, Matt is the man to do that. Sorry, Tom. Just to, just before I bring mm. you in, uh, Tom, Catherine, on on the Matt Beard thing, the situations. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if confusing is the right word, but it's intriguing me and getting a little bit frustrating as the weeks go on. The comments, his comments after the game was, you know, oh, we missed a few chances, um, which is frustrating. We should have capitalised, but there's nothing I can do to change that. That sort of, th- I almost think, well, that, that is your job. It's your job right there. And, and a lot of the, the stuff coming out um, when on the initial run before those two good wins recently seemed to be of the same sort of the same sort of line. Well, you know, sort of shrugging it off, going, "Ah, oh, the players have let me down again," all that sort of thing. And at some point, you've sort of got to stand up and say, "Well, actually, you know, I, I might be part of the problem here." And I just wonder. You mentioned about the the back end of the players. Does it? Do you feel like it one of it might be one of those situations where you know fans of West Ham's men's team will perhaps think of a similar thing with Slavin Bilic towards the end of his tenure, where everyone really liked him and he was a really nice bloke, but ultimately you don't always want your manager to just be your mate or someone you like having around, who's a nice bloke. You you need someone from a professional standpoint to go and work them hard on a training pitch and give them a few home truths when they're needed and. And that sort of thing. Do you do you buy into that at all, or do you think I'm just talking nonsense? Well, I think I think it might be. It is the type of manager to kind of do that. I mean, he's not he's not scared of hiding his opinion. I mean, when you go to the games, um, you can definitely hear him on the touchline. I mean, I don't know what it's been like without having fans at games recently, because yeah, I can imagine his voice. Kind of, you can probably hear him in the next village. But um, <laughs> he, he is, you know, someone that that really can kind of give his uh, players a hard time if they're not performing. So it, it's it's a tricky one. I guess maybe maybe he is doing that, and maybe it's not working. Maybe the players are kind of fed up of of that approach. You don't know. I mean. I'd say in, in, when you when you do watch that documentary, sometimes you could see kind of the dressing room was was maybe a bit split, and you've maybe got the older style of players who you know like a shouter and like someone you know kind of telling them a home, few home truths, and then maybe some of the younger ones, the more the more kind of modern players, as as you say, or the, the the players that have come in from abroad, maybe don't buy into that as much. And um, I guess I guess it's just a case of um, maybe he has to change his approach for for different players, but. Um, yeah, I think when a manager comes out every week and, it, and it's starting to get into a, the same response, that's when I think when fans start to worry. And um, like I say, I think Matt's probably going to have to over the next few weeks. He's got he's got that two week break now after tomorrow's game, which is a good chance for him to kind of reset, reevaluate, and and sort of plan for the rest of the season. Um, but he's going to have to start thinking, you know, if 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 he can't get the best out of this, it's time for him for him to move on. Catherine, looking ahead to tomorrow's game, West Ham obviously uh, sit top of Group D at the minute. And how how important do you think it can be for the girls to go on a cup run and maybe if the league's not going right, maybe put something together in the cup and make some kind of statement like they did with the FA Cup final? Will they be putting a lot of importance on the game tomorrow and going far in that competition? Or will it WSL still be the primary focus and, and look to 
consolidating that? Well, he'll definitely won't win tomorrow because uh, it's important to top the group. Um, and obviously he has got that two-week break, so it's not a case of he's, he's got a WSL fixture coming up at the weekend. He can play his strongest team, and, and it should be a comfortable game for them. And, and yeah, it's a great chance to build a bit of confidence. If he could score a few goals as well, like we say, if, if Mark Thomas could get a couple of goals, that would do her the world of good. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it can be um, you know, a distraction perhaps from the league, like you say. I mean, we saw them in the, in the FA Cup a few years ago and, and just kind of how, how big that was for the club, obviously, uh, it coming kind of so early on in, in Matt's reign. And um, I think, yeah, it would, it would obviously be huge to kind of to progress in that competition. It, it will be difficult um, given the, the, the teams that will go through. I, I don't know how the, the draw works for the, for the knockout stages, whether it's still kind of regionalised or if it's, if it's you can draw anyone, because if you can draw anyone, you kind of want to avoid the likes of Chelsea and, and Manchester City if, if they progress from their group. Yeah, so I've I've tried to get my head around this in the week, uh, Catherine, the League Cup format. So it's also uh, sponsored by Continental Tyres, so it could be known, you might have heard it if you're listening at home, as the Conti Cup. But it's five groups of four this season and one group of three teams uh, to just adjust for the odd number. Uh, there's all, all of the winning, the group winners proceed. Uh, each team only plays each other once. I think if West Ham even get a point tomorrow, they're guaranteed to go through as winners. And it's the, only the two best runners up from the remaining group. And then it goes into a knockout. So it looks like West Ham will be progressing. Like you say, obviously important to, to avoid those, those sort of big guns in the next round. But do you think as, as far as Charlton are concerned, do you, do you think, Matt Beard's going to change some, change some players up for that game, given that really the, the quality of the team, Charlton, obviously a championship side, West Ham should be beating them. It depends how he approach it, approaches it. It's whether he kind of wants to see some, some new players with, you know, obviously the, the, the players that have been, been starting the league game business every week so maybe you want to, to change it up a little bit and, and see who can come in but I think he will play a fairly strong team because I think he'll want to get confidence in his players and I say if they can go and win sort of four or five nil tomorrow night it, it could do some of them the world of good keep a clean sheet would be a big one as well um, and yeah just kind of get some goals in the team uh, Sorry uh, James the Chelsea game is next up, of course, in the WSL. That's not till the 6th of December, I believe. So it's a couple of weeks break then. Chelsea are third in the WSL at the moment, 14 points, plus 16 goal difference, which is the second best in the league. That's not really uh, a great welcome back to the WSL that the girls will be looking for, is it? No, I mean, it's one of the tough, toughest fixtures they're going to they're going to come up against them and you know given the given the form they're in at the moment can't can't see them picking up any anything there unless another cup win you know gives them that impetus and maybe some new players as, as Catherine said maybe some new players that that he uses to can, can impress and you know I wouldn't rule it out but I can't, I can't see anything against Chelsea no, it's not uh, certainly with that goal difference. West Ham's obviously still suffering minus 13 at the moment after that heavy defeat to Arsenal didn't help. But Catherine, before we let you go, just give us a couple of quick score predictions for the Charlton game tomorrow night for the girls and then the Chelsea game in the WSL, but not for a couple of weeks that. 
Yeah, I think I think if if Matt Beard plays a strong team tomorrow, there's no reason why West Ham can't get like a. I'd be you'd be looking at a four nil four nil win would be as if I was a West Ham fan. My my kind of expectation for that game, um, Chelsea is is a free hit. Um, I think Millie Bright's been left out the England squad, so whether she's think she twisted her knee against Arsenal. Um, she's got a bit of time to recover, but if she's missing that, that might give them a little bit of a weakness in, in defence. But um, yeah, I think I think you would you would you would assume Chelsea would kind of win that comfortably. Um, maybe maybe three 0 to Chelsea, but um, let let's see. Hopefully tomorrow, um, get some goals, get Martha Thomas to get on the score sheet, and. and Exactly. Hopefully see the girls fit and firing after that Charlton game tomorrow. It's Wednesday night, quarter to eight, kick-off uh, Charlton away in the League Cup and then 6th of December, Chelsea away in the WSL. Next up for the girls, Catherine Bat, Daily Mail sports journalist and WL expert. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it and stay with us because next up we'll wrap up the show with the FPL update. So there you have it, Catherine Batt, Daily Mail sports journalist and WSL expert, giving us her thoughts on all things West Ham women. Very disappointing result for the girls at the weekend. But I think we said uh, before this run of two victories and one defeat that you know we certainly would have taken uh, two wins from those two games. Perhaps you'd have uh, you'd have swapped the one in the cup to give them the girls a bit more hope in the league. But good stuff. All the same. Lads, that's it for tonight. Great to have Oscar Paul, Northern correspondent from The Sun on, as well as Catherine there from the Daily Mail Talk West Ham Women. It's been a busy one, despite the fact it's been an international week. Uh, some final thoughts from you, Jonesy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know we were saying it earlier earlier on about the, the rivalry, but I really, really want to beat Sheffield United on the weekend. And that is not nothing to do with the Tebes thing, nothing to do with what happened back back then and uh, they got themselves relegated but blamed us for it. Purely because of last season at Bramall Lane and that goal that was ruled out. Tom, you mentioned it earlier and the, the absolute scenes. Um, and for it to be ruled out, obviously, it weren't Sheffield United's fault. We're not going to start blaming them for something that happened to us. Like should we sue them for 30 million quid? We, yeah, I mean, we, we should. Yeah, we should. But we won't lower, lower ourselves to their, to their level. Um, but that... that that really, really annoyed me. That decision, like the whole, the whole handball, and that that would have been allowed this season because they've changed it again, haven't they? Mm. Um, so yeah, the whole. I mean, I woke, I woke my son up celebrating, um, who was only I think about a month old at the time, for nothing. <laughs> that annoys me a lot. So I really, really hope we beat them purely because of what happened last year at Bramall Lane. Yeah, fair enough. I totally back that. I really hope we beat them because I just haven't really liked them from that season. And it was one of the funniest things in football ever to see David Unsworth stand up and bang that penalty home to keep Wigan up on the last game of the season. You're definitely right, Jonesy. They threw it away. I really want to beat Sheffield United at the weekend too. Tom, final thoughts from you and what's been another decent show on the We Are Stand podcast. Yes, as always, mate. Always a pleasure. I'm happy to tuck away another international weekend. They're just a snooze fest. It's a waste of a weekend, especially in lockdown. So get bring on Sunday, bring on a Premier League. Does it start on Friday night? Whenever it starts, I can't wait to to get settled into that. Sort the fantasy team out. But um, yeah, looking forward to West Ham being back in action, showing a bit 
going out and actually beating Sheffield United's side who got overhyped last year. They played his system. They they had a good start and they tucked in tough side to beat and, and no one else was very good last year either. So shut a few people, shut a few people up and, and put them away, stick some goals in and, and see Haller on the score sheet and it'll be a perfect weekend, mate. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Just a quick Fantasy Premier League update. Of course, there was no games in the week, so the score's the same as they were on the last podcast. Me out in front on 4-4-3, James on 4-0-1 at the bottom, and Tom just slightly above Jonesy with 4-10. Rudy Eagling still holds top spot in the We Are West Ham Fantasy Premier League league with 562 points. There's more than in excess of sort of four or 500 listeners in that league at the moment. If you want to join, you still can. It's CM. NY6OU. Follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram as well, and you can watch this show on YouTube. Uh, apologies for last week. The video went up a little bit late. You can blame me for that one, taking Tom's duties off his hands for the week, but that will be up and live middle of the day, Wednesday. If you want to watch this week's show on YouTube, just scroll down. Uh, to the podcast description and there's a link to our channel there and uh, that's it for the evening thanks to both of our guests that we've had for tonight do leave us a review on all your stuff all the platforms if you like already and like james said earlier if not just tell your friends that's the bit we like the most Uh, we like new people joining in with the we are west ham movement week in week out International break is over. The Premier League is back at the weekend. Me and the boys have all backed low-scoring, scrappy game at Sheffield United. And we all really, really, really want to put the blades to the sword. Stay with us, everyone. Keep the faith. And we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.